What is up, guys? Welcome back to the latest episode of Chatter from the Cheat Seats. My name is Jack Bowman. I'm here alongside my co-host, Sammy Crimstein. we got a lot of fun stuff to talk about today, but before we get to it, Sammy, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing very well. I Today I've had a long day of baseball practice, three hours in the heat. It's actually fun. We got to do on- Three hours? Jeez. Three hours. That is long. Yeah, it was fun, though. We got to do on-field BP, which we don't really get to do that much. That, that is fun. fun. Uh, yeah, fun day of baseball. Today is the, actually the All-Star game. Have it on my TV. I'm sure Jack has it on his TV. Oh, yeah. Locked in. Locked into the All-Star game as we record right now. It is currently like 9.30. The game started like an hour and a half ago. So we have been watching the All-Star game, and we're going to be talking about a lot of baseball today. But before we do that, Jack, how are you doing? I, I got to return the favor and ask uh, how, how you, you are doing. I'm doing awesome. My parents surprised me and got Yankee tickets for this Saturday against the Red Sox, Boston versus New York. Wow. I mean, That's what awesome. a series. It's going to have it's going to be a big game. The Yankees play the Red Sox. They play the Red Sox in a four-game set, the Phillies in a two-game set, the Red Sox in a four-game set, and then the Rays in a three-game set. That's a big stretch of game. Huge. It is huge. The Yankees need to do really well over that stretch, but I'm doing great. The All-Star game is on right now. Like you said, it is yep. awesome. Something, Sammy, that I think is better than the All-Star game, the home run derby last night was absolutely unbelievable. We saw some guys hit some moonshots. We saw Shohei Otani versus Juan Soto. Pete Alonso put up a historic first round. We saw some incredible things. Absolutely, and it was just really fun to watch. That's all you really hear about the home run derby. Fun to watch, fun to watch, but... You hear that a lot because it's true. It's just seeing guys hit balls 530 plus feet. Just like it's nothing. Not quite 530, but I think we saw some 520, right, yesterday. I mean, like it's nothing. And I will say I did the bracket challenge, right, beforehand, and I picked all of the wrong guys in the first round. All of my first round picks Got eliminated. I had Matt Olson winning it all against Shohei in the finals. Did not go that way at all. Alonzo no. proved that he is built for the home run derby. I mean, he's just an absolute tank of a player. Um, it was fun to watch, though. And it was interesting to see that the players were getting really tired in the second and third round, right? You see the players put it all on the line in the first round. Alonso had 35 home runs. I think we had a few guys get it was unbelievable. 28, close to 30. Unbelievable amount of home runs in like three, four minutes. And then the second round, you know, they're just exhausted. Not as much left in the tank. And I think we're getting closer to 20. You know, some people didn't even get past that mark. Or in the first round, it was easy for them. Well, they had less time also, but they were gassed. I will say, though, my bracket was interesting because I had Peter Alonso winning my bracket. I was so confident on the pick. I don't think I was ever, I don't think I've ever been more confident in a pick than Peter Alonso winning the Homer Derby. It was the most obvious thing. He had great odds. He had great odds. 
he wasn't a favorite, which made no sense because he's the defending champ. I think experience plays a huge role in the home run derbies, and he put on a show. So I had I had Shohei Otani beating Juan Soto, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I had, did. I, I don't think anyone saw Soto winning. Yeah. Soto put on a show. He was just spraying it. Yes, I had Trevor Story beating Joey Gallo, but I had Trey Mancini losing to Matt Olson. So a couple things go differently. One guy hits one more homer. Yeah. You know, my my bracket is looking a lot differently. So I didn't do good. I didn't do good, but I didn't do awful. I did awful. Pretty pleased with how I did. It could have been a lot worse. I did as bad as you could possibly do, my friend. It was not pretty. But I will say, Mancini, give credit to him, man. I what a story. Here all around baseball. What a story. What a story. You know, he beats cancer and then he comes back. And he is second to winning the home run derby. And he put on a show. He was the first hitter in the derby. And he set the standards very high. He had like close to 30 home runs. I think it was 28 in that first round. I could be a few off. But he really put on a show. And Mancini is a guy who, he's a power hitter. But you don't usually put him in the category of Gallo and Otani and Alonzo. And he really showed that in terms of raw power, he can stick it up right there with some of those top guys. And I can't wait to see what he can do when he stays on the field for a few seasons at a time, because not only was he battling cancer, but he's been plagued with injuries. And once this guy can really stay healthy, he's a bright young piece in an Orioles organization, offensively at least, that has a lot of fun young pieces. One of them playing in the all-star game tonight, Cedric Mullins. So the Orioles, the Orioles front system is looking has better and better. They, I mean, we've seen some guys in the prospects games in the future game. Adley Russman is another one oh. who is going to be a star one day. But Sammy, let's move on now well, to I'm, our first half power rankings. Before we move on to that, you mentioned the futures game, and we got to give a huge, huge. Oh yes, we do. I almost our forgot. guy, Brennan Davis. If you haven't been on the podcast or following us for too long, round of applause, round of applause. Brennan Davis, right? He's the number two prospect for the Chicago Cubs right now. He's somewhere around 50, 60 in the top 100. He came on our show in December, had a great interview. We talked with him, and he showed up at the Futures game. He was invited to play, hit two massive home runs, one into the trees, one into left field. He won the MVP of the Futures game. Brennan Davis, he's on our podcast, and he's in my phone number because I had to communicate. He's in my phone because I had to communicate with him, you know, to like his phone. You have his phone number? Uh, yeah, I have his phone That's number. Ridiculous. And I, yeah, I texted him after the game. You know, I was just saying, you know, I, I did not think he would get back. And just to show you, this is a really nice guy. I'm just some random 16 year old kid doing a podcast. And I was like, hey, I don't know if you remember me, but. I'm Sammy Crimstein from the podcast you're on in December, Chatter from the Cheap Seats. Just wanted to say congrats on a huge, you know, showing of the game. I don't remember exactly what he said, but that was the vibe. And he got back and he was like, thank you. Appreciate it. So he got back to me after he won MVP of the Futures game. So he's such a great guy. And, I, you know, as a Cubs fan, it's exciting to see just, you know, completely forgetting that he was on our podcast. He's the future of the Chicago Cubs right now. And... It's been a rough year. It's been a rough stretch of games. But when you see our guy have a performance like that at the Futures game, it reminds you that the future is bright for the Cubs, and they could be back in series contention 
in a few short years, once guys like him and, you know, Braylon Marquez and Miguel Amaya start climbing up the system for the Cubs. But just wanted to say that before we moved on with our show. Huge shout out to Brennan Davis. Uh, chatter from the Cheap Seats alum, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> alum. MVP of the Futures game. Amazing to see. But uh, yes, Jack, we shall now get on to the end of the first half. It's finally there. A lot of things we expected happened. You know, you had, you know, some teams like the Astros and the White Sox, teams we knew were going to be really good, were really good. But then a lot of unexpected. The Giants, the huge surprise in baseball. They're the best team right now in baseball. Oh, yeah. Percentage and nobody saw that coming. Another surprise to many, not to me, because I'm a genius and I called this. The Red Sox in first place in the ALE. I still think it was a bad take at the time. I think you got lucky. I, I think I knew what was coming. I, I, I thought no I way. thought that the offense of the Red Sox, those batters, they yeah, had right. serious okay. pop in that lineup. And that's why they've been winning games. And honestly, they could really hold on to that for the rest of the year. I, I think if the Rays don't really make any big moves at the deadline, which we will be talking about in a little bit, I think it's going to be very interesting to see because I think the Red Sox can hold on to that. That was a good take. And here at the end of the first half, Jack and I are going to do our first half power rankings. Top oh, five. yeah, we are. We're not going to do all 30. That We'd love to, but we just don't have the time for that. I actually did make all 30 just for fun, but uh, I'm only going to say our top five. And I wonder how much agreement will be in here. I, I think – it's very possible we have the same exact top five. Yes, I think there will be some agreement. But it's also, you know, there are some teams that you could put in the top five that other people may not. So it's going to be very interesting to see. I will say this. Yeah. My one through three was set, but there is a lot. And I'd say one through four actually was set, but there was a lot of deliberation for my fifth spot. So I have two honorable mentions. All right, well, what are the honorable mentions, my friend? Two honorable mentions. I have the Padres and the Brewers. Barely did not make the list. They were both in heavy deliberation for that fifth spot, but I had to give number five to the White Sox. I gave number four to the Red Sox. I gave number three to the Dodgers, number two to the Astros, and Unero Numo, Numero, Numero <laughs> Uno nice. to the Giants. Sammy, what is your list looking like? All right, so I will tell you, Jack, I have the same teams that you have. So we are in agreement there, but in a different order. So I'm going to go number five, I have the Dodgers. Number four, Red Sox. Number three, Astros. Two, White Sox. And one, Giants. So we, we are in agreement with the Giants and with the Red Sox, right? Sammy, I have to say, I vehemently disagree with you. That is definitely not a word. What is that word? The, the, not vigorously. I know that's a word, but the, the hemis. Do you know what I'm trying to say here? You, nah, not, not, not exactly. No. Okay. <laughs> I, I vehemently disagree with you. So I butchered that. So, uh, we are not a word pod. Not a word pod. Although not, we are a word pod at the same we time. We are, but we aren't. We are, but we aren't. I disagree with you big time, big time. When it comes to the White Sox at number two, I will get into that a little bit later because let's just say 
that we are going to do some hot takes later in the episode. And I don't want to spoil mine, but I think you have to put the Astros at number two. I think if you look at their you look at their lineup, their lineup is incredible right now. You're Don Alvarez, Alex Bregman, Carlos Correa, Jose Altuve. You can say what you want about Altuve, but he can hit. The boy can hit. And Sammy, your big complaint with the Astros is that they're not a complete team. Correct. Like their lineup is good, but their starting rotation and bullpen kind of brings them down a little bit, right? Yes. I have to disagree with you big time because if you look at the Astros bullpen, that is definitely their weak spot of the team. But guess what? Your bullpen isn't as important if your starting rotation is really good and their starting rotation is really good. I really believe in the starting rotation. Yeah. I think that Zach Granke. Zach Greinke is a really solid pitcher. Framber Valdez is the Framber show. He's the Framber show. Luis Garcia is a young prospect. He has a lot of potential. Lance McCullers Jr. is a, you know, he's been there, done that. I think he's really going to be able to hold down this rotation. And then Jake Odorizzi. So I don't really see a weak spot in this rotation. I think it's a pretty solid rotation. I mean... I, I disagree with you. I think this rotation is not near. I, I think you can make an argument that the White Sox four and five guys are better than the Astros two and three guys. The White Sox have the good lineup, right? That That is the best part of their team. They've gotten production from that lineup. Let me just check here. The White Sox are tied third in runs per game. I don't know where exactly where the Astros are, but... Bottom of oh, all, oh, oh, you're right. The Astros, are, the Astros are number one, buddy. Astros are number one, but the White Sox are right up there with them offensively. But I think pitching wise, the White Sox blow the Astros out of the water. Starting rotation, you have five guys you can count on that are have been incredible this year. Lance Lynn at the top of that rotation has been Cy Young material. Okay, let's not, no, let's not get wait, crazy. Giolito has been phenomenal, and he, we know what he can do. Keuchel is solid, Mr. Consistent. Carlos Rodon threw no hitter this year. He's been one of the better pitchers in baseball. And Dylan Cease has come out of nowhere and has been phenomenal. You have five guys that are hurling right now for the White Sox. And then you look at some of their depth pieces. You have Michael Kopech, who's dealt with some injuries, a young guy you can throw in there. I mean, this is a really good starting rotation in the bullpen. You have Kopech also in that bullpen. Cody Heer, Liam Hendricks. You have uh, Aaron Bummer who have been all been phenomenal this year. The White Sox are the more complete team. Astros, I give it to them offensively. But the White Sox are right there offensively. They're, they're right in that you know atmosphere. And pitching-wise, it's not even close. Now, the Astros, we'll be talking about this later in the show, obviously. But not obviously, but uh, later in the show, we'll be talking about the trade deadline. The Astros will be looking to add pitching. That is a weakness of their team, something that needs to be addressed. But as it stands right now, which is what we're doing, first half power rankings, the White Sox are the more complete team. Uh, I, I think defensively and with the pitching, I think they're significantly better. Sammy, I have to disagree with you here. I just think that when you look at the White Sox lineup, it's pretty shallow. You look at their... First three hitters, really solid. Anderson, Moncada, Abreu. And I understand Elo Jimenez injured. They have a lot of injuries. But if you look at their four hitters on, you know, Brian Goodman, Adam Engel, they already cut Adam Eaton. 
your mean Mercedes got sent down. I really don't think that this lineup is deep at, at all. It's not deep enough to contend. I, I'm very unimpressed with this lineup. Their pitching staff is great, but they're young. They have some inexperienced guys. I don't know how that's going to fare later in the season. So it's going to be interesting to see. I think the Astros are a much better team than the White Sox. And you know what, Sammy? Screw it. Screw it. Okay? We're, we're going with the flow here. I am going to move up my hot take. We have hot takes planned later in the show, but I'm going to move up my hot take because I just got to spit it out. I got to get it out, okay? All right. Hit me up, Van. The White Sox will have a bottom half lineup or bottom half record in the second half of the season. They will have a bottom half line, bottom half record. So it like, would not be a top half of the league. I will just say, let me let me rephrase this because that's going a little far. I will say, when we do top ten power rankings at the end of the season, not the end of the season, just taking the second half in consideration, the White Sox will not be on that list. Not be in the top five, you say? Not be in the top ten. And here's uh, why. Here's why. And I, we saw this in 2020. The White Sox got off to an incredible start in the first half, but they're young. They're inexperienced. In the second half, their players fell off, and that was in a 60-game schedule. 60-game schedule, they fell off in the second half. Can you imagine how much they're going to fall off in an 162-game schedule? Yes, Tim Anderson is great, but they've already had injuries, and when the injury bug hits, the injury bug hits. I wouldn't be surprised if they had some more injuries. They, their pitching staff has gotten pretty lucky with injuries. So I wouldn't be surprised if they get an injury there. And I think they're outperforming their expectations a little bit. They're in a pretty weak division, but I think they're going to come down to earth a little bit. And I think that they're going to have some big second half problems. I mean, I, I, I don't love that take. I think the White Sox offensively, not as deep as you'd like, but I said, they stick right up there with the top in the league. They're tied for third in runs per game this year. And it goes to show you that once they start getting some pieces back, and I know Jimenez is out for the year, whatever, once they start getting some maybe minor pieces back from injury, they're going to get better and better. I don't anticipate them getting worse, and the constant is always pitching. If you have good pitching, your offense can fluctuate, but you'll be pretty consistent that's what I see from the White Sox. Even if this rotation was dealt with like two, three injuries, you still have a solid rotation. That's why I made a point of mentioning Michael Kopech um, because he's a guy, a death piece, a guy that isn't in the starting rotation right now, but someone who, let's say, Rodon or Lance Lynn gets hurt. You could throw him in and you won't be getting the same out of it, but you still have a solid rotation. I like the White Sox a lot. They're a complete team. I do not see a fall-off for this White Sox team. They're too talented and too much of a complete team. I think I I like the White Sox, even though I am a Cubs fan. I, I think they're going to remain one of the top teams in the AL. I wouldn't be surprised. I think the Astros might have the better second half than the White Sox do. I think, I think oh, no doubt. I think the Astros are going to go out and acquire some relievers. I think they're going to go out, maybe even acquire a few starting pitchers. Who knows? I don't even th- think they're starting rotation. I, re- I really think their starting rotation is quite solid. But, Sammy, we had some unfortunate news happen in the baseball world. 
Ronald Acuna Jr. trying to make a great catch on the warning track, runs into the wall, and he is out for the season with, I might be wrong, I think he tore his ACL. I believe that's what so, I'm so sad. That's very sad. He's one of baseball's best players. He he was so close in 2019 to having a 40-40 season. He's a he's an absolute stud and it just sucks, man. It sucks that we're not going to we're not going to be privy to watching him play in the second half of the season. Well, in the year he was having, I mean, yeah. he, he was in the NL MVP conversation without question. He had a great start to the year. Yeah, you can check him up there. He's really inconsistent all year, to be frank. A great defensive player. He's the true five-tool outfielder, and it just makes you really sad that he's not going to be able to finish that season. He was my MVP pick for good reason, and that's the thing. It's just you see great futures for all these players, but it's like can they stay on the field and – I hope this injury doesn't affect him for the long run, but sometimes it does. You know, you hear you know all the time in basketball about Derrick Rose and like what could have been with him. Uh, you know, so many players who get hurt and you just never know what their ceiling could have been. And I hope that's not the case with Acuna. I hope he has a full reco- full recovery, and I'm sure that the Braves and Acuna they're going to do all they can to get back to full health. But sometimes you just can't. Uh, you could tell just watching on that play. I was watching it live. Um, it happened. They were showing it on the MLB tonight. Um, you could see just the emotion on his face. and Because you, you, you know how much he's worked for it. Oh, yeah. Or to possibly get MVP this year. And to lead the Braves maybe to a better second half and to the postseason. I mean, these are guys who just pour everything into the sport. And it, it, it could just get taken away like that. Um, it, it, it's really sad. We'll be back stronger than ever, I though. I really stronger will. than ever, Sammy. And something that yeah, I might need to be a little strong for this because I might cry for this. Sammy, the Houston Astros and Jose Altuve. You know, I you go ahead. I can't even. I can't even get the words out of my mouth. Walk off home run. What a series, though. I mean, you have, I think it was like game two. I, I don't remember exactly how it went, but. We'll get to game two a little bit later on. But look, I'm optimistic as a Yankees fan heading into the second half. We took two out of three from one of the best teams in baseball. We're only four games out of a wild card spot, which is not insurmountable by any means. We have a ton of games coming up with division opponents. And we took two games from the Astros, and then we put up seven runs in the third game. And we only lost because Chad Green didn't have it that day. So I'm not that upset. I honestly don't think it was that meaningful a loss anyway. Like, it only sucks because we did blow a six-run lead, and it was Jose Altuve that hit it, and it was the Astros. But, you know, it happens. Yeah, now now we're going to be heading into hot and cold. So we're going to be picking some teams here that we talked about power rankings heading into the All-Star break, but we're going to be talking about teams just right now in the past few weeks, past week, heading up into the All-Star break. Who is hot and who is cold heading into the All-Star break? Jack, I'll let you start it off. Who's your hot team heading into the All-Star break? Sammy, my hot team is the New York Yankees. And 
They're not hot by any means, but unshattered from the cheap seats, we like to define hot and cold. It is not your stereotypical hot. It is lukewarm. They are lukewarm. But they have been freezing all season, Sammy. So the fact that they are lukewarm gives me hope. It gives me hope. It does. Aaron Judge has been tearing cover off the ball like he always does. You've seen some signs of life from Glaber Torres. Garrett Cole shuts up the haters, and we will get to that later on. But they're my hot team, Sammy. I have a team now that's going to give you hypothermia. All right. Who's your cold? Sammy, I think you can make the guess. Is it the Cubs? It is the Cubs. That makes me sad. Uh, go. I'll, I'll let you talk, and then I'll talk. I mean, it seems like every day the Cubs are just going down big in the first inning. Six runs, seven runs, and when they're not down big in the first inning, they're blowing leads. Sammy, it is sad. They're playing with no emotion. They're playing like robots, and it's getting to that point, man. I think the time has come. They, they, they have to sell. I think they have to sell. That is the only option. I don't think that's arguable either. Well, the Cubs are selling. I, that is a done deal. They, they have to have a fire sale. Our GM, our president of baseball ops, I'm not sure exactly what title he takes, but Jed Hoyer, um, our guy, I'll call him, uh, he has said that we are selling. That deal, who we are to sell is still up in the air. I think Craig Kimbrell might be as good as gone at this point. His value is astronomical. Uh, with the market right now, t- so many teams looking for relievers. And it's a real shame. And I said it last week, Jack, you weren't on the episode last week. It was Ori and I. But it's really sad that one stretch of maybe 10 to 20 games where you just can't seem to win could be the end to the tenure of some of these guys as Chicago Cubs. And Bryant, it's still up in the air. He may or may not be traded. One of the top suitors, the Mets, may not be willing to give the value that the Cubs want because they gave a ton of prospects last offseason to get Lindor. So they not be they not they may not be willing to do that again. With Chris Bryant, maybe get a lesser option at third base. Whatever the case may be, the Cubs are sellers. Uh, I, I don't think it's win this year. I don't think that's the case for the Cubs. But I think there's a scenario where they can have a quick turnaround by next year we're right back in that conversation because the NL Central is still going to be a division that's a toss-up. The Cardinals still have Arenado, and once they get starting pitching healthy, maybe they'll be better next year. The Brewers are going to be good. The Cubs, who knows? I mean, with a few good acquisitions, maybe they could be right back into the mix. I, I don't know if it's going to be a full rebuild. I, I, there's a lot on the table for the Cubs, and – it's a little weird because uh, really since 2015, it's been win, 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 win. So um, this is the first time in a while as a Cubs fan that it's um, rebuild time. And it's been interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see. We talked about Brennan Davis, right? We have some guys that are going to come up, and I think that'll be the goal. With Kimbrell, hopefully you could trade him, get some value, get some really good prospects, bolster that farm system. Maybe even get some almost major league ready guys, like I said. So next year you can maybe compete. But uh, yeah, the Cubs—it's—they've been cold. Uh, I'll go with my hot teams now, and I'm going to stick in the NL Central. Maybe one second, one yep. second. I apologize for interrupting, but excuse me, I have to. 
that was a brutal accent. That was, oh my uh, gosh. I agree with you. I think it will be a quick turnaround for the Cubs. I think they're a big market team. We saw it in 2017. Now, I don't think it's going to be as quick as the Yankees because that was historically quick. That never happens. The Yankees got extremely lucky and Brian Cashman made some extremely great trades. You need a, needed a combination of both to have literally a rebuild that lasted one year. They had one year where they missed the playoffs. And 2017, they were a game away from the World Series. But I could see the Cubs, not next year. I think they're going to be bad next year. But I could see them in 2023 being, you know, maybe making a deep playoff run, being a year early, as some might say, because they're going to reload. They're not a small market team. They don't need the three- to five-year rebuild. They need that one to two year reload, and that's what I think they're going to do. Reload. I like that phrase, Jack, because that's what it can be. You already have some good prospects. Their farm system is underrated right now, in my eyes. Maybe you use some of the value you have right now. Acquire more prospects. Bolster the farm system, like I said. And those guys come up in the next one to two years. Then when you think you can compete, you're a big market team. You go get the best free agents, and boom, you're ready to make a deep playoff run. That's what the Cubs can do, and I trust Jed Hoyer. He was there for 2016. He was part of it. I trust them to do the right things. I hope they do the right things. But for now, it'll be interesting to see, watch how the minor leaguers grow and see how some of the younger guys perform in a major league setting. You know, it it sounds weird, but I'm excited to see what rebuilding looks like in Chicago. I've accepted the fact that we're not a winning team anymore. Uh, I think I'm finally... Uh, through the stages of grief. And uh, it's, I mean, it's a little bit exciting to see what's going to happen because I think the Cubs, like you said, and like I said, can make a very quick turnaround. But now let me go to my hot team. Staying in the NL Central, in second place right now, I have the Cincinnati Reds. They are 9-2. and two. Ooh. Ooh. They have two guys that started in the All-Star game tonight. And when you think of this team, you think of offense. You think of Winker and Castellanos, Sluggin. You think of Moustakis. You think of Votto. You think of those guys. What you don't think about necessarily, at least since Trevor Bauer departed, is starting pitching. And that has been what has been. That's, that's a good point. Good. That's a good point. Starting pitching. Sammy, ah, great, great points all around. That has been what has been really good for Cincinnati here in July, where they have been 9-2. and two. Luis Castillo had a horrible start to the year. His ERA was like eight or something after April. He was horrible. But he has found success by throwing more strikes. His strikeout rate is down. But guess what else is down? His walk rate. He's walking less guys. He's pitching to contact to an extent, which is not what you think of when you think of Luis Castillo. And he's had success in July so far. Three games started. Uh, 19 innings pitch, 18.2. We'll call that 19. 2.41 ERA and pitched when I say pitch to contact, two away batting average uh, on balls in play. So when people are hitting the ball, they're not doing it very hard. Castillo is finding success with that. And then with the rest of this rotation, Wade Miley having a career year 2.8 ERA and no hitter earlier. He's been great. Sonny Gray has been Mr. Consistent for them. Tyler Mayo is having a really good year, 3.68 ERA. And this bullpen recently has been really hot. They've turned things around in the past few weeks. Outside of Brad Brock, who was knocked around a few times, 
The Reds have only given up one run in July, courtesy of their bullpen. The Reds have been, the Reds have been, I mean, extremely solid. And Sammy, we didn't see this coming. We thought that once Trevor Bauer left, the Reds were going to go on a downturn. But, you know, they're in second place. They're slowly creeping creeping their way up. So it, it wouldn't be shocking to see them sneak their way into the playoffs. Yeah, now I can go with my cold team. And for cold, I have the Nationals. And we're in the D.C. area. They're going to hate me for saying it, but they are the opposite guys. of the Reds. They are freezing cold, 2-9 and nine so far this month in July. And I, it's not necessarily a direct thing, but ever since Schwarber got hurt, I feel like that team has just not been able to get themselves off the ground. And that team, when you think of them, when they were really good, kind of the opposite of the Reds, you thought of starting pitching. And what's been hurting them these past few weeks? Starting pitching. Obviously, Strasburg is hurt. That's really hurting you. Joe Ross got hurt recently. He's been pretty pretty consistent this year. That hurt the Nationals pretty significantly as well. But in, in July, over this 11-game stretch, 6.79 ERA, which is fourth highest in baseball, almost two home runs per game, which is fourth highest, and it's like Scherz is forced to carry this rotation right now. Corbin hasn't been very good. Lester has gotten just imploded these past few weeks. So this rotation is really hurting this team. And it's sad because that rotation was filthy in 19. And now they can't win you a game. And when your offense is really good, right? You have Soto, Turner, a lot of guys, Schwarber when he's healthy, hitting the ball really well. But the pitching is not at a place where you can win games with the Nationals. And I think because of that cold stretch, they turn from probable buyers after a hot stretch you know, in late, in late June. Now I think they're definite sellers. I think they have a lot of value. Uh, I'd agree with that. Guys, Daniel Hudson, Scherzer possibly. We'll have to see. Although I will say this. That division is really bad. Surprising. Surprising. So shockingly bad. We thought that was going to be the best division in baseball. The Nats are six games out, which it's a lot, but the Nats have made runs like that before. So the first two weeks after the All-Star break is going to be super telling. If they're if they're not within four games by the first two weeks, then I think they will sell. But the Phillies are still there. The Braves might be tough. They're four games back, but losing Acuna hurts a lot. I could still see the Phillies right there because I don't think the Mets are that great, honestly. Yeah, I, I think the Phillies have been really hot as of late. This is a division that is still up for grabs. So who knows? If the Nats have another hot stretch, they could be right back up there. But like you said, trade deadline coming up in two weeks, and we're going to be talking about the trade deadline, team needs, and options that are available. We're going to just kind of go through some teams here. We're gonna, we have, let's see, seven teams. We're going to go through maybe not all of them. But teams that I've kind of... We'll do quick fire, rapid fire, rapid fire. Yeah, so um, I guess we could kind of go... Let's start here with the Yankees. And then we could kind of... They're in the middle of our list, and then we'll go to the top of our list, go down. Because, Jack, I know you're the Yankees guru. So you know everything. Jack is the Yankees guy. He knows everything that's going on right now in the front office. What the is Yankees going need- on? Inform us. What are the Yankees looking for the trade deadline and where are they going to find what they want? So the Yankees are going to be desperately looking for a center fielder. That is priority number one. 
Right now, they're going with a Brett Gardner, Tim LaCastro platoon, which is not working. Brett Gardner in center, Tim LaCastro in left sometimes. That is not working whatsoever. So, what? and Tim LaCastro has played well, but, you know, he's not, he can't be your everyday starter. So, some guys that I think they'll go after. He's a professional pinch runner. Yeah, some guys that I think they'll go after. A lot of people are clamoring for Joey Gallo. I don't think that's realistic at all. I think that we could see Starling Marte being traded. That would not shock me whatsoever to see Starling Marte get traded to the Yankees. I could also see some some cheaper budget options that maybe we're not thinking about. But center field is priority one. Left field is also up there. So I think that it's not desperate. But if they can find a deal for a left fielder, they will. I would also say priority number two is starting pitching. The only things that if the Yankees don't get their screwed is a center fielder and a starting pitcher. They need both of those things badly. So starting pitching, who do you think they're looking at right now? I think Kyle Friedland could be an option for them. I, I wouldn't be shocked. Luis Castillo would shock me a little bit. I know right, that name's buy. Been, we'll talk about them in a second. Been floated around a little bit because they are gonna buy. Kyle Hendricks is a name that would not shock me at all. I know he's making a lot of money, but if the Cubs would eat some salary, the Cubs are going to sell. So that wouldn't scare. That wouldn't shock me that much. Um, Jack Davies as up from the Cubs seems to be more of the guy that people are talking about. Really? Okay. He's been really good as of late, like ever since April, like two something ERA. I think but, he- but Kyle Hendricks, you're still going to get a haul for Kyle Hendricks. So why wouldn't you sell him? You know, you are going to get a haul for Hendricks. I, I think the Cubs still see Hendricks as a part of that rotation in the future. We'll have to see. He's, 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 he's pretty old, right? Is he not? He's like maybe low, low thirties. I mean, not yeah. I mean, he's the old. The thing, he's thirty-one. So by the time you can, re, by the time the Cubs are going to realistically compete again, he'll be 34 ish. So I don't know. I would say Max Scherzer is another guy who people are clamoring for. It won't happen. The Yankees will not take on that contract. It is going to have to be someone on the cheaper side. Or they're going to have to have the other team eat some of their salary because they're trying to stay under the tax. All right. Now, I'm going to move on here with a team that the Yankees are, you know, they're kind of always buyers no matter what almost it feels like. A team that's kind of a surprise buyer, and I talked about them earlier, the Reds, who had been very hot as of late. They have declared in the past maybe 48 hours, their GM said that they are going to be buying at the deadline. Kind of a surprise to some people, but... They're only four games out right now. They have a series with the Brewers, a three-game series coming right out of the All-Star break. So, who knows? If they get a sweep, if they sweep the Brewers out of the All-Star break, it is a one-game difference in first place in the NL Central. I think it makes sense that the Reds are buyers. So, what do the Reds need? Shortstop is definitely something that they need. Kyle Farmer is has been their guy. He has not been good enough. Options at shortstop. Angelton Simmons. Twins are selling. He's been having a rough offensive year, but you know what? Shortstop, you need de- good defense, and there's no better defense at shortstop than Angelton Simmons. But if you're looking for more of an offensive option, and this could be a long shot, I don't think the Reds would be able to pull this off. I don't think they'd be willing to pull this off. Trevor Story, obviously, he's probably the most wanted guy on the market right now. Ton of value, and the Reds are going to have to give up a lot to get him. But if the Rockies are desperate enough to get rid of Trevor Story, 
I think the Reds might be able to do it. Not very likely, though. But they do need a shortstop if they're going to compete. What else do they need? They need relief pitching. Bullpen has been better, but there's room for improvement. Guys, you can look out for. Daniel Hudson from the Nationals has been very good. Richard Rodriguez having a phenomenal year for Pittsburgh. Very uh, high-value trade. And then uh, Cole Solcer, who has been having a very quiet but productive year. 166 ERA. So those are some guys I think the Reds could be looking at. Now, Jack, what do you think the Astros are going to be looking at? A lot of people are talking about relief pitching, and they need a catcher. Would you agree with that? Yes, Martin Modenado is not a good option, but catcher catching is a very weak position. And, Sammy, I just texted you a picture of Garrett Cole's kid. Go check that out because, he, I mean, he looks tremendous. But I, I could definitely see them adding – some bullpen arms, and maybe a mid to low end starter that can eat innings for them. Yeah. Because you're going to need that. So I could definitely see them doing that, maybe getting another bat, although that surprised me a little bit. I don't think they will get another catcher. Yeah, I think, catching I think, I is I such a shallow position. I think a guy that could look at there, Jacob Stallings from Pittsburgh, he not a great offensive guy, which you can't really expect that from catcher, but he does lead MLB catchers in defensive war. You want a good defender and that's, a solid, that's bat, very important. solid bat. Jacob Stallings could be the guy, and the Pirates are obvious sellers. I mean, they're, they're like one of the worst teams in baseball. They may as well get rid of the whole team, except for maybe like Brian Hayes, Adam Frazier, and Brian Reynolds. But uh, Stallings, I think, could be a very realistic option and a guy that could be very serviceable for them. Now, moving on into the NL East, we got the Rays. After trading Snell and letting Morton walk this offseason, Glass now got hurt recently. They need starting pitching, and they need it bad. I think, guys, they could look at Kyle Gibson having a ridiculous year, one of the top ERA guys. And the funny thing is, he got blasted his opening day outing. His ERA since that outing is 1-5-1, which I believe would be second in baseball to, uh, to Jacob deGrom and only. Jacob. Oh, oh, oh. Don't sell Nestor Cortez short, baby. The stash. Nestor Cortez has the lowest DRA in New York right now. So, well, now another guy that the Rays could be looking at John Gray or Herman Marquez. Either of those guys from the Rockies. Eh. Uh, I, I think those are two higher priced guys, especially Marquez. I think Gray could be doable if you're the Rays. I, I could definitely see. They, the Rays have prospects. Right. Rays I could definitely prospects. see right. But the, here's the thing, Sammy. Marquez has four years of team control. I don't think the Rockies are going to deal with that, deal him. And right. if, if they did, the they thing. would need a haul. And the Rays are never going to deal a ton. The Rays are never going to go 100% all in. That's their model. They never buy completely. They never go 1,000% all in. They're not going to deal their top prospects. Because if they do, then when it comes time to reset and trade your stars, you're not going to be good for a couple of years because you trade. They never go 100, percent and so I can make them. I can see them making some under the under the radar deals, but I don't think they're going to get anyone that's that's extremely noteworthy. Sammy, oh. I got one more team for you. One more team for you today, All and right. that is your Giants. Your Giants, best team in baseball so far. But guess what? They're still going to add more pieces. They have outperform tremendously to, to their expectations. But, Sammy, I think that they can get a real stud. Yeah, I think it's possible. I don't know how much they'd be willing to give up. I think it's up in the air because they weren't expecting to be in this position. I think now that they are in this position, I believe if I'm the Giants, I 
want to give as much as I can to put this team in a position to win the NL West and make a deep playoff run. Now, this may come as a surprise to some people, but I think they might need some back-end starting pitching. The rotation has been very good. Best in baseball. It can become even better because I think you don't want to put too much trust in maybe like Alex Wood and Johnny Cueto, who have had a few good outings, but overall inconsistent. You want to make sure you're 100% can count on everything with that rotation because that's the best part of that team. Two guys I was thinking of. Jose Barrios. High asking price, but like I said, the Twins are selling and they are selling hard. If the Giants are serious enough about winning, they can get that deal done. I believe so. Another guy, another lefty arm, Tyler Anderson, who's been having a great year for Pittsburgh. We're talking about a lot of Pittsburgh and Minnesota guys, but they could definitely use some more depth, and Anderson is totally that. He's been a depth piece his entire career almost, but now he's kind of ticked it up a notch, and I think he'd be very serviceable. And that's a righty-heavy rotation. You know, you have Gosman, Cueto. I think Alex Wood is really the only lefty they have there. Anderson will be huge to have in there to shake it up, especially come playoff time. Another need, outfielders. I think the top guy they could possibly get is, now this may come as a shocker, Byron Buxton. I don't know if the Twins would really want to give him away, but if the Giants are desperate enough to get this guy, it's possible. I read this on the website, so I'm not just making this up out of thin air here. He could be the perfect star to solidify this team. I mean, imagine the Giants, right? You know, with Crawford playing well, Posey playing well, and then you add Byron Buxton once he gets healthy. That could be huge. If they don't want to go all in like Byron Buxton, Mitch Hanniger, who's been very hot as of late, the Mariners, it's kind of a toss-up if they're going to be selling because they've been also very good as of late as a team. But I, I think it's very interesting with the Giants because, yes, they've been very good. Yes, they're the best team in baseball. But they're still looking to make some splashes and get better in areas that you may think they're already good in, like the pitching. But uh, that's going to do it with our teams. We'll be talking a lot about the trade deadline here in the next few weeks. Uh, it's almost one of my favorite times of year with baseball. So interesting to see what teams are going to do. But now let's just focus in here on this past week, the week heading into the All-Star break, because we're going to be doing our players, pitchers, and our game of the week position player of the week jack feldman i don't know your middle name what's your middle name you don't know my middle name i uh, it, uh, i don't remember is it daniel no it's ryan ryan jack ryan feldman i knew samuel morris crimstein that is my middle name yeah, jack remembers i'm sorry i'm a bad friend Ugh, i'm sorry awful friend Awful. Sammy, but my yeah. position player of the week my P-P-O-T-W is Frankie Lindor. Ah, yeah. He has not well. been performing to expectations so far this season, but in the last week, he absolutely has. He is batting in his last seven games, 333 with a 462 on base percentage and slugging 619. He has two homers, seven RBIs, five walks, seven hits. He's been unbelievable. Yeah, man. Lindor has been... It, it's weird because he started off so cold and very quickly. I feel like the Mets fans almost turned on him, but now oh, yeah. and well, New and York, that's what's going to happen. New York. They're very uh, quick to turn on guys, but if they start playing well, they'll love them very quickly again. I feel like that's happening with Lindor. I'm excited to see what they do. That's a, one of the more interesting teams in baseball. Just 
the division and what they did this offseason. My position player of the week is another shortstop, someone who has a good relationship with Lindor. They're good buddies. One of my favorite players, I guess. I mean, he's a cub. Javier Baez is my player of the week. Like I said, he has been playing a lot better as of late. 9 for 19 this week. 470-ish, that's what that rounds up to. So pretty solid. Three home runs. And here's the kicker. Only four strikeouts. That's been the issue all year with Baez. He's striking out like 37% of the time, leading the league in strikeouts. I think we're starting to see signs that he may be changing his approach, which is huge because when he gets pitches in the strike zone, he's hammering it. That's not the issue. It's not like there's a, his swing is broken. It's not like there's something mechanical that is bad with his swing. He's an absolute monster of a human being. His mental approach, though, it, it hasn't been good all year. But the fact that he's limiting strikeouts and putting the ball in play more, we're seeing the results. Because when he does put the ball in play, he does it hard. He's hitting the ball 95, 100, sometimes even like 110 miles off the bat. So Baez, I could see maybe a resurrection here this year of his season. I'd love to see it as, for, as a Cubs fan. But uh, now for pitcher of the week, this is a guy that very well could be playing for a different team in a few weeks. A Minnesota twin was a Cy Young sort of caliber guy last year. Hasn't been quite as good this year, but he had a week. Kenta Maeda, he had a great week. Two games started, 11 innings, and here's the big one, Jack. No earned runs. 11 innings, no earned runs. 17 strikeouts. That's pretty hits, incredible. And only three walks. So Kenta Maeda really dealing here this week in uh, two games started. And you know what he's doing? Increasing his trade value. The Twins are looking at that, and they're looking, wow. We could get some Look in their value for that pick because he's playing really well as of late. A contender would love to have Kenta Maeda right now the way he's been pitching as of late. Jack, Ryan Feldman, who is your pitcher of the week? Sammy, my pitcher of the week is none other than Garrett Cole. Fair enough. He had his signature Yankees moment against the Astros. Nine innings pitched, three hits, zero earned runs. He threw 129 pitches. A complete game shutty for him. That's a Maddox. 129 and pitches. Former team and a team that 12 strikeouts. A lot of history. 12 strikeouts. Boone went to take him out. He said, get the hell off my mound. This is my mound. I'm finishing this damn game, and that is exactly what Garrett Cole did. That's a big boy performance, and that is the best pitching performance of the year outside of any no-hitter that has happened. The best pitching performance of the year outside of any no-hitter no that's happened with all the drama circulating about his spin rate and spider tack. Garrett Cole said, I was a damn good pitcher without spider tack, and I'm a damn good pitcher now. And he showed up and showed out against the Astros. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that is one, even if it's not one of the best, I mean, I, which I think it is, but even if you don't think he's one of the best, it might be the most meaningful outing of a pitcher this year. I mean, it was beastly, 120 pitches, nine innings, right? Complete game against his former team at that ballpark, a team that the Yankees have a ton of history with. And I believe that game, there was a walk-off. Uh, I could be wrong. 
I believe Judge, or not, not a walk off, no, because uh, they were away. But Judge had a big home run, right? Mm-hmm. Or he did like he, he mocked Altuve, I, I believe, right? Yes. Now the game after that, Jack. Now you may not want to talk about this quite as much. No. This is going to be our game of the week. Why did you do it to me, Santa? Now no. I want. I, I want you talking about it because we, you were watching live. So take us through what happened, your reaction, and that was the last game, I think, heading into the All-Star break. How big of a loss is that? I, I think you said it doesn't concern you too much, so just take us through some of your emotions and uh, what you were feeling during this game and take us through what was going on in this game, of course. It is. It was a brutal game. It was a heartbreaking loss. It was a backbreaker, no question, but... If you look at the bigger picture, we still won the series. So it's not, it's a non-division game. It, it actually doesn't really make that big a difference. So you're not super concerned? You're not like the world is ending? No. No. Now, before we end, I just want to ask you about the Yankees in the second half. What is your prediction for the second half? Are the Yankees going to climb their way back into the AL wildcard race? Are they going to do it, Jack? What is your official Jenny. take? Official. Jenny, if the Yankees do not make the, you're kicked off the podcast. So Sammy, if the Yankees do not make the playoffs, I will wear a Red Sox hat for the entire every episode we do for the entire offseason. Do you have a Red Sox hat? No, you would have to buy me the Red Sox hat. Mm, okay, I, I I'll buy you a Red Sox hat. I that that is a, I'll buy you a Red Sox hat. I, I would do it's not that I, I could find like, we will find you will not have to buy we will figure out a way to get me a Red Sox hat but I'm saying if the Yankees do not make the playoffs I will wait I will wear a Red Sox hat for the entire season uh, entire offseason but Sammy if they do you will have to and I'll take care of it you will have to wear a Yankees hat for the entire offseason no more Cubs hats I do have a I, I have a Yankee hat somewhere I, okay. I'm, I'm, are you willing I'm, to make that bet I'm willing to make that bet. I don't think the Yankees are going to find their way into the playoffs. I think there are some serious teams in the AEL. I mean, I think the Rays are better. I think the A's are better. I don't think the A's are better. I, I don't. I the Yankees beat the A's earlier in, this, in the year. They're going to do it later in the year also. So It, it depends on what happens at the deadline, too. Like if, Yeah, and, and let me tell you something. The A's are not going to pony up for a big-name player. They can't. They, they just don't. Can't do it, but I, I think if the A's make some really good lower end acquisitions, that can make a bit as different as acquiring a star. It, it really can. Yeah. But unfortunately, Jack, uh, we can't talk about the NBA Finals today. We've run out of time. But wah, wah, wah. Just, just a quick word: it's been a series so far. Game four is tomorrow night. I will be watching. Giannis has been dominant. Chris Paul had a great game one. Uh, that's kind of like the very quick version of what we would have kind of talked about. and uh, But it's been a fun series. I can't wait to see how it ends. And we'll, we, we 100% promise we'll be talking about it next week. Just ran out of time with all the baseball today. Unfortunately, before we all sign off, any last words, Jack, here today on this beautiful July evening? No last words for Jack. Well, that does it. We're just going to get out of here. Oh, Sammy, you're so gullible. Of course. Of course I have last words, Sammy. Oh, what a tremendous tremendous episode we had. We had an incredible episode, and we're going to do it every time 
on Shredder from the Cheap Seats. Sammy, do you have any last words? I don't have any last words, except another fun episode for the 72nd time. Lots of episodes. Sammy, that will do it. Another incredible episode from Shredder from the Cheap Seats, and that will do it. So we will see you guys next time. Sammy, take us out. Bye.